morning. What, I have a question for you. What sound do you wake up to in the morning? How do you wake up? That could go really weird, couldn't it? <laughs> Here's what I wake up to. That's pretty glorious, isn't it? This is the Fightin' Texas Aggie Band from uh, Texas A&M, and they, that is the march-in they play. This is my alarm to wake up every morning. It fires me up when I hear that I want to get out of bed. Jessica loves it, my wife. She loves that alarm so much um, <clears throat> that she wants me to get out of bed. So it works for everybody. And it's funny, I don't know, I don't know what, that'd be fun to hear what, like, what, what you wake up to. I, when we have a familiar sound, like a gentle alarm chime or a bird chirping outside your window or a family member saying your name. That makes the experience of waking up easier on you. On the other hand, have you ever been woken by something unfamiliar? A scream from a child, the shattering of glass, or worst of all, the sound of a dog about to throw up. <laughs> You've never moved as fast in your life with your adrenaline coursing through you when you hear that sound. How does the voice of Jesus sound to you? Is he familiar? Is he unfamiliar? Would you recognize him if you heard him speak? Finding familiarity in the voice of Jesus means that we are learning to hear him so that we can respond to him in right ways. This is why it's so important and why we're taking time in this season of Lent to be reminded that Jesus Christ came in the flesh and he came to be heard. John tells us that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have gazed at, our hands have handled concerning the word of life. John is saying this is, these aren't a bunch of stories that we made up. These aren't just uh, rumors that we heard. We heard him. We saw him. We gazed at him. We touched him. The word of life was the word alive. And this season of Lent, we're taking time to kind of uh, cue off of this and, and, and ask the question, how are we sensing Jesus? How are we encountering him? We've talked about the, the touch of Jesus Christ that provides life, the seeing of Jesus through the eyes of faith, the taste of the wine from his own hands. Today we're going to look at the hearing of his voice, and uh, soon we're approaching the aroma of his death and his life again. So I want to invite you to turn with me to John chapter 5, and we're going to practice hearing Jesus a little bit. What I'm going to do is I'm going to walk you through a little bit of this text, and then we're going to practice something as we move towards the table that I hope will give you an opportunity to hear his voice today. John chapter 5, uh, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John in the New Testament. This is John's account that he put together of what was seen and heard. In John 5, we find Jesus in hot water again with the Pharisees, as he often was. What was the problem this time? Working on the Sabbath. That was a no-no. That was a law. The Ten Commandments said don't work on the Sabbath. Jesus is working. And so they're getting on to him. Now, uh, of course, his work that he's doing on the Sabbath is healing people, relieving suffering, and feeding the hungry. But that didn't make a difference. So Jesus tried to explain to them, look, when I am working on the Sabbath, I'm only doing what I see God the Father doing. And that began to raise some questions. Wait a minute, Jesus, are you, are you claiming to have some kind of special authority or relationship with God the Father? 
And so in verse 21, Jesus clarifies this relationship between the Son and the Father. Here's what he said. Just as the Father raises the dead and gives them life, in the same way, the Son gives life to anyone he chooses. The Father doesn't judge anyone, you see. He has handed over all judgment to the Son. Now, Jesus is talking about a concept here of raising the dead, uh, resurrection. And actually, you may not know this, but this idea of resurrection wasn't always in our minds. In fact, for the longest time, God's people assumed that when your body hit the grave, that was it. That death was this kind of one-way trip into nothingness. But as people began to kind of unpack things God was saying, and they began to study, and this gnawing question began to progress within them. And the question was this, if God is a good God, why would he let his faithful followers just drift into nothingness? That doesn't make sense. So as it be, by, by this time of Jesus, they had begun to understand this kind of vaguely taking shape concept that someday God would bring the people who followed him back to life to live with God in the land. But what Jesus is clarifying here is that this someday raising of the dead has begun today with the ministry of the Son who gives life to anyone he chooses. Now, in one sense, this is a physical resurrection. We, we, we saw this a few weeks ago where Jesus just touched the coffin of a dead boy and spoke, and the boy came to life. We'll see it again in a couple weeks when Jesus will raise Lazarus, one of his good friends, from the dead. And then Jesus himself, of course, on Easter, we're going to be looking at the death and his own physical resurrection. But while God's people had begun to groan, uh, had grown to understand that there was a physical resurrection, Jesus is also cluing us in here to a spiritual resurrection. It's a giving of new life to people inside of them. And in verse 21, Jesus explains that the power to give life to the dead physically and the power to give life to souls spiritually resides in the Son in the authority given to him by God the Father. So how is Jesus going to execute this authority? How is he going to make this stuff happen? Well, he goes on. He says, I'm telling you the solemn truth. There's coming a time, in fact, it's here already, it's here today, when the dead will hear the voice of God's Son, and those who hear it will live. Okay, this, this answers that question for us. How will Jesus use the authority he has to raise the dead and to, to bring people to life spiritually through the voice of God's Son? In other words, hearing the voice of Jesus brings life to dead things. Now, how does it do that? How does his voice do that? Well, he goes on and explains. He says, you see, just as the Father has life in himself in the same way he has given the Son the privilege of having life in himself. He's even given him authority to pass judgment because he is the Son of Man. Now, Jesus is kind of distinguishing himself from us. You and I are all the same. We only have life because someone gave it to us. God God created us. Uh, We've been given life through a mom and a dad. But Jesus is saying, I'm different. The Son has power over life because he is not dependent on anyone. He has life where? What does he say it is? He has life where? In himself. It's in them. He is self-existent. A few weeks ago, I loved when Charlie Hall was explaining that to us uh, as he was leading worship here, and he just reminded us that uh, Jesus did not have his life taken from him. And as we move towards Easter, this is a time where we begin to read the stories, and it can be easy to be lulled into this sense that, well, you know, Jesus is just kind of a passive person here, and he's so meek and humble, and, 
and, you know, he couldn't do anything about it in the garden. They, they surrounded him with all the swords and weapons, and, you know, he was just, he just was like a lamb to the slaughter. He was like a lamb to the slaughter, but he's a lamb that chose the slaughter. Jesus said, no one can take my life away from me. I choose to lay it down. And that's the powerful thing for us when we think about the sacrifice of Jesus Christ for us is he chose it because he has life in himself. That's how he has this power. So again, what is the son going to use to give resurrection life? And he goes on and explains this. Don't be surprised at what I am saying. The time is coming, you see, when everyone in the tombs will hear his voice. They will come out, those who have done good, to the resurrection of life. Those who have done evil, to the resurrection of judgment. What Jesus is going to use to bring about resurrection is his voice. The dead will hear the voice of God's son. Everyone in the tombs will hear his voice, and they'll be called to life. Now, this begs a huge question for me. How do dead people hear things? I don't know how that would work. We saw this in the raising of the dead boy a few weeks ago. We'll see it in the raising of Lazarus in a few weeks. That both times the raising of the dead came at the verbal command of Jesus Christ. Young fellow, get up. Lazarus, come out. But how did they hear him? When you're dead, your eardrums are not functioning. And the oral pathways to carry a signal is not operating. And even if somehow there was some reverberation just happening because of the tone of his voice, there's no brain that's alive there to register and process these sounds. How did a dead boy and a dead man hear a voice? In the gospel that Mark wrote, in his account, (coughs) he tells us something very distinguishing about the voice of Jesus that might give us a clue. He says in chapter 1 this, the people were amazed at Jesus' teaching because his stories were so funny. Uh, because his, uh, his teaching was so long. Because he was so brilliant in his rhetoric. Because he was so learned in his study. No, he taught them as what amazed people is when they heard him, his voice was as one who had authority, not as the teachers of the law. Now, the teachers of the law, they taught the scriptures, and they did it faithfully. Sometimes they spoke quietly. Sometimes they spoke loudly. Sometimes they spoke briefly. Sometimes they droned on. Sometimes they had gentleness. Sometimes it was fire and brimstone. Uh, all of them had authority, though, because they were teaching the scripture. So, uh, and they also had these uh, spiritual offices they were holding. So they were teaching with authority, but there was something that no one had ever heard before in the voice of Jesus. It was authority. Don't read this as volume or sternness. My opinion on this is this. Even though Jesus Christ laid aside his divine power to live as a human among us, it seems he couldn't completely disguise his voice. The same voice that called forth creation, you just can't fully cover that up. It's going to leak out. It's like Jesus' words were giving lyrics to a tune people were already humming in their hearts. And when Jesus spoke, something said, yes. There's an authority there I've never heard before. So what do we do with that? Just kind of the basic principle I just wanted to throw out there today was the voice of Jesus has authority. So what do we do with that? Let me suggest two implications for us out of John chapter 5. If Jesus' voice does have this authority, what are, what are two things we can, need to maybe walk away with? Here's the first. We don't use our voice to judge others. 
twice in this passage, Jesus announces that God has given over how much judgment to the Son? Take a guess, percentage-wise. 5%? 50? Someone said 87. That's really specific. 100%. All judgment has been given over to Jesus. This is so interesting. It's like God is saying, I signed over power of attorney to the Son. I'm not going to judge anybody. God's going to judge us. No, he's not. Jesus is. Why would God do this? I mean, both the Father and the Son are God, right? Both have life in themselves. Jesus said, God's Father has life. I have life in myself. Both of them know the depths of every human heart. Both can discern every human uh, hidden motive. Both can see every action, hear every word. But for some reason, God said to Jesus, I'm not going to judge anyone. Instead, I'm going to hand all judgment over to you. Aren't both of them qualified to do it? Can't they partner up? Why would God do this? A friend of mine, Hugh, takes a stab at this. This is what he said. He said, I'm not sure how the conversation went down, but maybe the father said this, son, you're the one who has to take on the flesh of humanity, submit to the curse of work, pour your life out for the whole world, carry the sin and death of every human on your back, and then die for them? So you get to make the call. And he observes this, isn't that comforting? It's such good news for a cat like me, he says. The only one who busted a way out is also the only one who gets to judge me in the end. Not my brothers and sisters who've labeled me a heretic. Not my colleagues or friends who love me. Not my kids or even my wife. And here's the real kicker. In the end, for better or worse, I don't get to judge myself either. So we need to be careful, and this is something I'm practicing, we need to be careful in the judgments we pronounce over other people. When we use sentences like, well, you can't be a Christian and believe this, or, well, people who do that aren't going to heaven. It is dangerous to claim authority that even God himself says, I no longer have, I've given it to the Son. Now make no mistake, Jesus alone has the authority to judge. He will judge correctly, but one of the things that we wrestle with is often he chooses to not judge people. In fact, he told us in John chapter 3, I did not come in the world to condemn it. I came in this world to save it. Now, this is good news for us because it means we can point people towards Jesus without imposing our judgment. And we can trust that eventually, as his word says, every sin will be uncovered. And in time, every person will confront their own sin on their own. So if the authority belongs to Jesus, we need to be careful with the authority that we claim with our voices. But here's maybe a second implication to the authority of Jesus' voice. We do judge if we have heard his voice. Have you heard the voice of Jesus? Have you heard him call you towards new life? There was a man named Saul who was a religious leader during the day of Jesus, and he had built a, quite a reputation for being a very fiery person. He spent his life using his voice to condemn and judge people for not obeying the scriptures, not obeying God's word. One day, he was walking down a road, and he heard this voice of Jesus. Now, he had, he, he had seen Jesus die, had seen Jesus be buried, and yet here is this voice again coming to him. And Saul was hearing the resurrected Christ saying, follow me. Saul heard firsthand the authority of Jesus' voice. And on that road, a dead man named Saul came to life and became a new man named Paul. 
because he heard a voice. So this guy named Paul now later would write these words in in a letter to the church in Rome. He said this, faith comes from hearing, and hearing comes from the word of the Messiah. This wasn't just a theological proposition. This is Paul saying, I have faith that Jesus is who he says he is because I heard his voice. When we hear the voice of the Messiah, we respond by believing. This is the call of Jesus. Hear my voice, believe, follow. Now, the word of the Messiah still comes to to us today through the witnesses that he has left behind. It's a noisy group. It includes the Holy Spirit, the Bible, and a community of other believers, knuckleheads like you and me. Have you heard his voice? Have you heard him call you to life? Have you believed? Now, you might say, well, Thomas, like, question, have you heard his voice? Have you audibly heard the voice of Jesus? No. Sometimes I hear my wife telling me things, and I think maybe that's the audible voice of Jesus. I just can't tell. But no, I've never heard the audible voice of Jesus. Maybe you have. I don't know. I'm not going to say you couldn't. But have you heard him? This morning, would you hear him? Call your name to life. In fact, we believe Jesus' voice has so much authority that even when it's just being read, it has power. A teacher's careful exposition or practice delivery does not add to the raw power of the voice of Jesus. And I'd like to demonstrate that with you this morning. I'd like to practice something together with you where we would get a chance to hear the voice of Jesus. What I want to practice with you is called Lectio Divina. It's an ancient Christian practice of praying scripture, and what will happen here is this. I'm going to read out loud the words of Jesus Christ to you, and I'm going to read it through three different times. And each time that I'm reading through it, you are listening for a word or a phrase. You're listening to what Jesus might be saying to you. I'm going to read those without comment. I'm just going to read his words, and we're listening to hear. What is he saying to us? Or allowing that to lead us to a prayer. So trust me this morning, it won't be too weird, but I'm going to ask you to close your eyes just for a moment. And we're not in a hurry, so I invite you to take a deep breath. Breathe in and breathe out. Will you welcome the Christ who is near to you, who wants to speak to you? Breathe deep again and welcome him. we're preparing to hear his words, I want to give you a a piece of music for a moment just to help you begin to tune your ears towards him.
pray this. Jesus, help me hear you. I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers. The branches are gathered, thrown in the fire and burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. By this, my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Listen to this moment. What word or phrase is the Holy Spirit impressing on you? And sit with that for a moment. I am the true vine. My father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit, for apart from me you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers, and the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you and your joy may be full. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. What is happening in your life 
right now that relates to Jesus' words here? What situation could he be speaking to? Sit with that. I am the true vine. My father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away, and every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers. And the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire and burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you so that my joy may be in you and your joy may be full. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. What is Jesus personally inviting you to from these words? What is he saying to you? You might want to write that down. You might want to visit our prayer wall in a moment. You might want to thank him. You might want to simply rest. And if you will, would you open your eyes? Jesus' voice has authority to speak into our lives and to call out life. What life has the voice of the Son called you to this morning? What life has the voice of the Son called you to this morning? We bring this question with us as we come to the tables. During Lent, we're practicing taking communion every week, and we have tables set across around the room. As we come to the table this time, we're using the sense of hearing and we're remembering that at the table 2,000 years ago, Jesus said things. He spoke about what was happening. And people heard him say, take and eat this bread, it is my body. Take and drink this cup, it is the blood of the covenant poured out for the forgiveness of sins. So Tim is going to begin to play and this morning as you come to the table and you take the elements, I want to encourage you to pause for a second. We're going to have some people standing there who are going to speak life over to you. They're going to speak these words. This is his life given for you. As you receive the bread and the cup, 
receive the voice of Jesus. Come to the table.